Terry. Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch. <laughs> Senate President Pro Tem Rod Bray. <laughs> Senate Floor Leader Greg Taylor. House Minority Leader, Phil G. Aquina. We also welcome our state elected office holders, Secretary of State, Diego Morales. Auditor, Tara Klutz. Treasurer, Daniel Elliott. and Attorney General Todd Rikita. The family of the current Supreme Court Justices, Jim Rush, husband of Chief Justice Rush. Helene Bishop, the sister of Chief Justice Rush. Raquel Goff, the wife of Justice Goff. And Katie Mulder, the wife of Justice Mulder. We're also pleased to have in attendance former Supreme Court Chief Justice Randall Shepard. and former Supreme Court Justice Brent Dixon. Indiana Judges Association President Darren Dohanty. And the Chief Administrative Officer Justin Forkner. We also have Indiana sheriffs from across the state joining us today. Please welcome Jack Sadler of Hendricks County. Dan Mayhor of Adams County. Jeff Siegel of Elkhart County. And Sherry Heichelbeck of Spencer County. Dwayne Burgess of Johnson County. Randy Better, I'm sorry, Randy Redder of Wayne County. Rodney Robinson of Steuben County. Jeff Bowen of Porter County. Richard Myers of Morgan County. 
Chief Deputy Sean Holmes of Elkhart County. And Indiana's Indiana Sheriff's Association Executive Director Steve Luce. At this time, we welcome the Chief Justice, the Legislative Escorts, and all appellate court judges. The Chief Justice is being escorted by Senator Eric Cook, Senator Stu Glick, Senator Rodney Pohl, Senator Lonnie Randolph, Representatives Jerry Tor, Representative Randy Fry, Representative Victoria Garcia Wilburn, and Representative Kyle Miller. The Chief Justice is joined by her Supreme Court colleagues, Justices Mark Massa, Christopher Goff, and Derek Moulter, and Court of Appeals Judges Chief Judge Robert Altice. Patricia Riley, Mark Bailey, Margaret Robb, Nancy Vadick, Terry Crone, Kale Bradford, Elaine Brown, Rudy Pyle, Elizabeth Tavitas, Leanna Weissman, Peter Foley, and soon to be sworn in judge Dana Kenworthy. Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. It may be cold outside, but Leon Tailoring keep you nice and warm without burning a hole in your pocket. That's right. If you need a nice new coat or maybe need a sweater or a heavier jacket or a heavier blouse, no matter what it is, Leon Tailoring, Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy can take care of you this winter season. So like I said, it's the Midwest. It's cold outside, but Leon Tailoring always keep you nice and warm and comfortable. And once again, without burning holes in any of your pockets. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. I know they'd be happy to see you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown. Indianapolis. It is my honor to present to you Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch.
Members of the Joint Assembly, pursuant to Section 3, Article 7 of the Constitution of the State of Indiana, this joint session of the two houses of the Indiana General Assembly is now convened for the purpose of hearing a message from the Chief Justice of Indiana. It is my privilege to present to you the distinguished Chief Justice of Indiana, the Honorable Loretta Rush. Thank you. Governor Holcomb, Lieutenant Governor Crouch, members of the General Assembly, Chief Judge Altice, colleagues, and fellow Hoosiers, welcome to the 2023 State of the Judiciary. It <laughs> It is a true joy for me to be here. This is my ninth time to fulfill my constitutional responsibility to report to you on the condition of Indiana's courts. So I'll get right to the point. Your judiciary is stronger than ever. Fifty years ago, Indiana became my home. I'm the proud daughter of a railroad man, and we move frequently, 16 times to be exact, following the train tracks from Hoboken, New Jersey, to the south side of Chicago. It was those trains, those early engines of economic development, that transported me to Indiana and this opportunity to serve our great state with all of you. Like those trains, Indiana's courts are working as engines of economic development. You know, it may seem unusual to think about the judicial branch as an economic driver or as a crucial protector of public safety, but let me explain. 2.5 million cases are currently pending in Indiana courts, cases that touch on every facet of Hoosier life. I'm just going to give you a sampling from last year. 10,500 fresh starts coming through criminal expungements. 19,000 mental health cases, the largest ever, to ensure those suffering from mental health issues receive the help they need. 36,000 new protective order cases to help prevent domestic or work workforce violence. 13,200 endangered adults receiving protection and guardianship cases. 20,000 children in need of services served by the Gal Casa program. 13,000 new paternity cases to help ensure children receive support from both parents. 5,000 new adoptions to officially bring forever families together. 4,200 domestic violence convictions that are shared with law enforcement to prevent the purchase of guns by dangerous people. And 80,000 small claims cases that allow neighbors, businesses, and others to peacefully settle their disputes. You know, being in court is a particularly vulnerable time, personally, emotionally, economically. The sooner a person can get before a judge and resolve differences with a creditor, settle disputes with a landlord, obtain child support, expunge a conviction, or be made whole in a lawsuit, 
the sooner they can get back to their families and back to work. The same is true for businesses in a legal dispute. Court efficiency and fairness are paramount in fostering a safe community and a strong economy. According to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, nearly 70% of businesses look at a state's litigation environment when deciding where to locate or expand. In 2015, we committed to a bold overhaul for complex business litigation when we launched our commercial courts project. These specialized courts, now 10 statewide, are laser-focused on resolving complicated business disputes. They utilize highly trained and seasoned judges, business-specific resources, and uniquely dedicated legal advisors. More than 1,600 cases have been filed in our commercial courts, and those complex cases are being decided quickly in a predictable, consistent, and fair environment. Business owners see the positive outcomes, enabling them to make informed decisions on the costs and risks of potential legal issues. As a result, our commercial courts help make Indiana an attractive state for economic development and expansion. But we're not done. We're working hard to ensure our commercial courts become a preeminent forum for the determination of business disputes. At a recent meeting, attorneys from across the state indicated some businesses are now writing contracts that name Indiana's commercial courts as the arbiter of any dispute. Amazing. Why not lead the nation in this model and strive for our commercial courts to challenge the Delaware courts of chancery? We're committed to doing just that. We could not have realized these achievements without the support of the Indiana Chamber of Commerce, business leaders across the state, our 10 commercial court judges, and members of our legislature, including the leadership of Senator Eric Cook. Will all of you please stand and accept our thanks? Commercial court judges. Commercial courts are not the only specialized court model producing measurable outcomes. Indiana's problem-solving courts are changing and saving lives. In my very first state of judiciary, I announced that we had 68 problem-solving courts statewide, with veterans' courts experiencing the fastest growth. We promised you that we would expand these specialized courts, and we've delivered. We have more than doubled them. Today, we have 143 problem-solving courts, including veterans' courts, with more to come. These courts exemplify all that is good in our judicial system. Justice, tempered with mercy, based on the principles of reformation as set forth in the Indiana Constitution. Will all of our problem-solving court judges here today please stand and accept our thanks? With over 30 counties without a problem-solving court and many existing courts at capacity, we still have work to do to ensure that all Hoosiers have equal access to these powerful tools of justice. As Dearborn County Judge John Clary recently told me, so many of our current treatment court participants are coming to us for help to escape the hell that they aren't living in. And the results are good. Very good. 
I want to offer a special thanks to the judge who 10 years ago pioneered one of Indiana's first veterans courts, Floyd County Maria Granger. Veterans Court of Southern Indiana includes Clark, Floyd, and Scott counties. This tri-county cooperation allows a county which may not have the individual resources to maintain a problem-solving court to work with justice partners just up that road. Or maybe better said, as you said, Governor Holcomb, last night just up that Monon Trail line. <laughs> and cross-county cooperation just makes good economic sense. Like Judge Cleary, Judge Granger describes problem-solving courts as effective crime reducers because the participants are required to face the truth, get treatment, think, speak, and act with accountability. During my first day of the judiciary, I invited one of the program's first graduates, Specialist Christopher Bunch, to this assembly. You might remember that he commended the Veterans Court's rigorous program, which provided him with counseling support and the chance to make amends. Specialist Bunge, like so many of his fellow graduates, turned his life around and to this day continues to be a valuable member of his community. He's married with children. He has ch his, his family just bought their first house. He owns a construction company. And he has been sober for nine years. Today, Chris... It is a fine day to welcome you back to this assembly, Chris, along with your wife, Stephanie. Stephanie, we didn't see you. Could you stand up? Because <laughs> you're a part of this. And as judge, Rhea Granger, Chris, you're here representing the thousands of problem-solving graduates that have made it. Thank you for coming back and joining us today. One re reason our specialized courts work so well is their integration of reliable data. Critical pieces of information are available through an indispensable tool for justice, and that's court technology. In many ways, court technology is the engine that enables vital connections not just for our judges and for all Hoosiers, but between government entities. Connections that previously would have been impossible are now seamlessly part of our modern courts. Eight million documents were electronically filed last year through our paperless court system. We alerted the VA to 20,000 veterans with court cases to get them specialized help. Four million text messages have been sent to remind parties about upcoming hearings. We enabled 1,500 parties to settle their disputes through online dispute resolution, and we now have an online portal accepting gigabyte upon gigabyte of evidence. We have a million protection orders that have now been filed in the statewide registry, and several nonprofits are working with, with us to help new Hoosiers navigate and resolve their legal problems. With our support, the Indiana Bar Foundation is providing 120 self-help kiosks in courts, libraries, and community centers throughout Indiana. Thank you, Indiana Bar Foundation. 
Additionally, all Hoosiers now have 24 hours a day, seven days a week access to their courts, which reduces costs, speeds up cases, and saves taxpayer money. Please raise your hand if you're one of the millions of people who have freely accessed Indiana cases using my case. If not, you should. More than 50 million pages reviewed online just last year. And you might just discover, like I did, that your child had a speeding ticket you didn't know about. <laughs> what can I say? Guilty as charged. <laughs> Aside from enabling this astounding access, we're also a national leader in developing and leveraging new technology to improve public safety. By creating a fully connected and accessible court system, we're providing information to you and other policymakers in tangible, life-saving ways. Just two examples come to mind. Drugs, particularly methamphetamine, continue to ravage our communities. You asked us to send the names of those convicted of drug crimes to a national tracking system. We delivered. As a result, more than 90,000 people are on the list of pharmacies that they check before selling ingredients that can be made meth. In another remarkable example, we provide data on felony child abuse, drug, and other violent criminal convictions to, the, to our Department of Education. Together, we have found 328 licensed educators. It's scary, I know. But by providing, by providing that information, it allows the DOE to pursue license suspension, and our children are the beneficiaries of this government cooperation. And for that, we should all be proud. A key partner in using courts as engines of public safety are our sheriffs. We have partnered with the Indiana Sheriff's Association on many justice system reforms, including mental health, substance abuse, JRAC, local JRAC, and pretrial improvements. We are also working with them to roll out a new jail management system, IN Jail, for potential statewide use. This project came about after your jail overcrowding task force identified systemic problems with multiple unlinked jail management systems, problems that prevent all of us from collecting and analyzing reliable data. You asked for a solution, and we're delivering. Seven counties are now participating in the system's design, and it's going to be implemented this year in Martin, Grant, and Elkhart counties. This new system will improve public safety by ensuring accurate criminal records, allowing judges to view real-time incarceration status, and alerting community agencies when a supervised individual is arrested. This new, in a, this new ability that we will have to share offender information between jails, law enforcement, community corrections, probation, and all justice partners will be vital to public safety. And will give you information like you've never had before to help guide decision-making and policy-making in these areas. We're looking forward to doing it. Iron Jail is our most complicated core technology project to date, and it reflects our resolve to do everything we can to support the men and women in law enforcement, those who dedicate their lives to keeping the crucial work of keeping our communities safe. Could all the sheriffs here today please stand and accept our gratitude for your strong partnerships in the administration of justice throughout Indiana?
this time last year, we talked about a shared concern, mental health problems in our communities. They're pervasive, they drain workers' productivity, and they persistently affect public safety. The criminal justice system has been taxed beyond its abilities. Jails are not treatment centers, and we pledged to work with you to find solutions. Thank you, Governor Holcomb, President Pro Tem Bray, Speaker Houston, Senators Kreider and Sandlin, Representative Sturwall, Justice Golf, and all the leaders for your time, input, and attendance at the 2022 Mental Health Summit. Also, a special thanks to the nearly 100, one, I'm sorry, 1,000 Hoosiers representing all 92 counties who came together at the summit to find a better path in their communities to help those suffering with mental health. Will all of you who are in attendance please stand and accept our thanks? that our communities have come to rely on county jails to serve as de facto mental health treatment centers. We also know that this was never planned and is not sustainable. When we ask sheriffs to take on this never intended duty, we prevent them from carrying out their core mission to provide public safety. We confronted this reality at the summit by collectively, by collectively examining and evaluating Indiana's mental health delivery system, including the development of a new crisis response system. This system ensures every Indiana community has a humane alternative to the county jail when someone is suffering from a mental health crisis. You are looking at the 988 crisis response hotline and how it can both increase public safety and save taxpayer dollars. Our judges, and there's a lot of them up there today, are here to stand with you to take on this monumentous opportunity to improve mental health care. Thank you. Families are the bedrock of any society. Strong families foster a strong workforce, and it takes the collaboration of all three branches to ensure Hoosier children have the best opportunities. This collaboration is exemplified in our Children's Commission, led by our first executive director, Julie Whitman. Recently, the commission worked on a statewide child abuse prevention framework and toolkit, spearheaded a top-to-bottom review of our juvenile justice system with Representative McNamara and Senator Kreider, and developed an information-sharing app which has connected nearly 6,000 users with legal guidance. Today, the commission is working on tough issues affecting our communities, sex trafficking, youth mental health, the impact of drug use on families, infant and child deaths, and ways to improve educational outcomes for vulnerable youth. Many of the hardworking commission and committee members are here with us, including Senators Bro, Donato, and Ford, and Representatives Devon, Summers, Claire, and Jackson. Senator Holtman, the Children's Commission was a product of your work a decade ago. Julie is here today, who is moving on after having made a lasting difference. Could all of you have participated in the Children's Commission? Please stand and accept our gratitude. There is another person of impact who is moving on and deserves our thanks first woman chief judge of the Court of Appeals, the trailblazing Margaret Robb.
nationally recognized judicial leader and legal scholar. She's authored almost 4,000 opinions for the last 25 years, led her court across the state for traveling oral arguments, and very importantly, generously given her time and talent to educate the next generation of the bench and bar. Judge Rob, you're going to stand up again and allow us to acknowledge your lifetime of service. Five years ago, on this exact date in history, standing right here, a new Chief Justice stood, himself a young man. He admitted that they, that the trial bench was relatively young. Well, Chief Justice Shepard, 35 years later, not all of us are so young anymore. <laughs> like history repeating itself, we once again have an astounding number of new judges, a third of the trial bench. My Supreme Court colleague, Derek Moulter, and newly appointed Court of Appeals judges, Peter Foley and Dana Kenworthy. Chief Justice Shepard declared confidence in the young judges of 1988. He said the people come to court at, time, at a time when their dearest interests are at stake, family, home, job, liberty. And what they find is a judge carefully listening to the evidence and giving a wise decision based on the laws you have written. The young judges of 1988 lived up to that early praise, and I have the same confidence in the young judges of 2023. I have zero doubt in your ability to take us, as Governor Holcomb office says, often says, to that next level. I firmly believe that 35 years from now, the Chief Justice will be up here singing your praises. I would like all of you who are newly elected or appointed in the past three years to please stand. Governor, you know a lot of them. I'm privileged to represent both Indiana and the United States as a president of the Conference of Chief Justices. I recently met in Helsinki with justices from Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Kosovo, and other countries around the world. We discussed shared challenges and aspirations. I heard stories about decade-long backlogs and the critical need for anti-corruption courts. And I listened as Ukrainian justice emphasized their resolve unrelentingly to keep their courts open for their citizens and their economy despite war-torn, bombed-out courthouses. These stories gave me the utmost appreciation for the strength and efficacy of our legal system in America and more specifically here in Indiana. We all pledge and take the same oath to serve and uphold our Constitution. And as much as I'm uplifted and proud to represent our state and country, I am always glad to be back home again in Indiana with all of you as we work to ensure our courts continue to operate as engines of prosperity, fairness, and public safety. Thank you, and may God continue to bless our great state.
The joint convention is now adjourned. Ready? <laughs> A bit of house business to take care of. Represent Hamilton for an announcement. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.